Our scripture this morning is found in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. You know, as we sang that song, it brought to mind another song, and I don't remember the exact line, and I don't remember even who did it. But there's a line in there that talks about that we crucified Jesus on a hill which he created. You ever stop to think about that? That as God was creating planet Earth, shaping it and molding it and forming it, that he himself carved out Golgotha. wonder what that felt like for God as he was shaping that mountain that he knew his very own son would be crucified on a couple of thousand years later. Anyway, obviously this morning we are talking about the birth of Jesus. And, you know, one of the things that just always, I, I can't get my mind around it, is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. You know, somehow we think that there's this notion that when God led the children of Israel in the wilderness, you know, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. We think that when all of that was over and the and the you know the they got to the promised land, that God said, "Okay, I've got you here now. If you need anything, give me a call." And, and He wasn't with them any longer. Well, we know that in the tabernacle you've got the holy of holies that symbolizes the very presence of God. And in the temple you have the Holy of Holies that symbolizes the very presence of God. You know, one of the things that is important in all of our lives, I mean, I've, I've got this ring on. This ring symbolizes that I am married. This ring is not my marriage. It symbolizes that I am married. What would y'all think if I just started going, oh, golly, I love you so much? You'd think I'd slip the cog. Because I was more focused in on the symbol than I am on the very fact that my wife is sitting right there. God with us. God is with us, beloved. And he's called us to be established in him. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In honor of the reading of God's word, let's stand. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, 
For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let us pray. Father God, we love you so much, and we thank you for the reading of your perfect and infallible word in our midst. And God, we just ask that you would illumine our hearts and minds as you illumine the heart and mind of Luke and the others that we will be looking at this morning. God, we thank you that you are with us, and we pray that we would understand that and that we would live that out. Father God, we love you with all of our soul. We trust you with all of our heart, and we offer to you our love, our lives, and this prayer. In and through the name of Jesus, our risen Lord and Master, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, there's this song that's that's really popular and and, and it seems my mom and I were talking about it uh, one of the days that that we were uh, uh, riding somewhere, and, and so it seems kind of ironic that I would uh, mention a secular song here uh, because, you know, every artist, I mean, if they make it big, then after their first album, usually if there's a second album, you know, they have to record a Christmas album, right? I mean, Somewhere or another, I've got in my Christmas mix on, on my phone Johnny Cash singing Silent Night. Okay, I, I don't know how I got Johnny Cash because I, I didn't subscribe to it, you know. But a lot of the stations that I listen to, you know, I, I listen almost exclusively to uh, Christian radio, but they'll pr- play a lot of secular songs. And I was saying to my mom, listen, I'm not listening to a Christian radio station to hear a secular uh, song. If I'm listening to a Christian station, I want to hear a song, unusually enough, about Jesus. Can I get a witness? Okay. But there is this song that, that is on the secular side that Christmas is the most wonderful time of year. And in Advent, the most wonderful time of year. I mean, here we are in the middle of winter when it's barren. How many of y'all, as you're driving along, and you look and you go, I didn't know that was over there because you can finally, there's no leaves on the trees, and you can see that there's something, you know, back beyond that stand of trees. It's even worse when you've lived here like 31 years, and you're going, I didn't know that was back there. Yeah, you know? But we decorate our church with the lovely colors, and we decorate our homes, and, and for some people, they like trees that are, all one colored, you know, light, and and for others they like multicolored lights. And Angie and I are like, we want, we our tree does all white, and then it switches to multicolored. So you know, we've got the best of both worlds. All right. 
and it rotates so that you don't get bored with just, you know, staring at the same spot, you know. Advent is a wonderful time of year. Obviously, as Christians, we always focus on Jesus, right? We always focus on Jesus. But during Advent and during Easter, we intentionally, we more intentionally focus on the message of Christmas. Now, listen, you know, for a lot of us, talking to to someone else about our faith can seem a little bit intimidating because, you know, we're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about the crucifixion. At Christmas time, we're talking about the birth of a baby. That's not threatening, okay? I mean, that's not threatening. It was to Mary. I mean, we're going to see in a couple of hours when we get to Matthew. Okay, now y'all are getting it, okay? Anyway, we're, we're going to see in a little bit when we get to Matthew that this was very threatening to Mary, her whole world. her whole. Do you understand what we just read? Her whole world just got turned completely upside down. I mean, here she is. There's this church in Nazareth, and it's called, are you ready for this? The Church of the Annunciation. What a snappy name, Okay. And just down the street from it is a Baptist church that your Lottie Moon Christmas offering dollars helped build, okay? When we were there, Angie thought, I, you know, she was trying to get me quiet, and we were driving away from the church of the Annunciation, and, and we're driving down this really narrow road, and I saw this church sign that had the Southern Baptist uh, logo on it. And, and, and I'm all of a sudden, I'm just going, Lottie Moon, Lottie Moon, Lottie Moon! And, and Angie's going, hush! Yeah. I said, but, but our Lottie Moon dollars built that church. And it was amazing. It was the first time that I've been able to see a church that, that, Lottie Moon, uh, that my Lottie Moon offering dollars had helped build in the heart of Israel. But anyway, Mary goes in to this place to get water. That's the tradition. She goes in to get water. And she walks out pregnant. Hello? Her whole world just got turned upside down. The angel says, we're going to do, I mean, when's the last time, you know, you had a face-to-face conversation with an angel? And, and so her world got turned upside down. Let me ask you another question. Do you think that when Mary went into that place, to get water that she expected to find out that she was going to give birth to the living water. That she was going to have a face-to-face encounter with heaven. No. She didn't expect that at all. She was just going about her everyday business, doing her shopping for the day, if you will. She walks into that place to do one of her chores. And there she meets God. (laughs) See, the point, beloved, is that God shows up in unexpected places, in unexpected times, in, 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 in ways that we can't even imagine. God shows up in the very ordinary. Hello? See, we're expecting... You know, the the things that we sing about. We're expecting the heavenly choir. 
you know? We're expecting like, you know, hail to the chief when God shows up. That's not how he showed up for Elijah, is it? He showed up in the still, still small voice. Elijah was expecting something big. And God said, no, no. God shows up in the very ordinary. And see, I think a lot of our problem is that we go through our lives and we live a day, we live an entire day, and nothing amazing happened. And we think, well, I made it through that day without God's help. You know why? Because we're not looking for God in the ordinary. We're not looking for God in the everyday. We don't really expect God is going to be with us. That's the message of Christmas, beloved. God is with us, not just the baby in the manger, not just the 33 years that he lived on earth, not just the, 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 the resurrection. God is with us in every moment. Remember what Jesus said? What was the last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he uh, ascended back into heaven? He said what? Lo, I am with you weekdays from 9 to 5. Closed on major holidays. No. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, thinking about that, when we, when we did the, the, the puppet ministry at the school the, the other night, I was explaining to our puppeteers how the puppet ministry got started, okay, and how it all started with bag puppets. And, and uh, we, we, we did one about Easter. Let me see if it's still up there. Uh, yeah, right there, right above my head. You see that clip right above my head? Okay, so our, our, our puppet show was about the, the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection and the ascension. Okay, and so that clip is there because we put fishing line over it and, and we used it to pull the, the, the puppet of Jesus up at, like he was ascending. Well, the problem was, was that you know what happens with bag puppets when you put a bunch of glue and, and yarn and, and, and stuff like that, they get kind of heavy, okay? And so like when we were rehearsing this, Jesus was spiraling up, okay? I mean, he was... He was spinning on the way up, and we thought, no, we can't have that. We can't have Jesus, you know, kind of pirouetting into heaven. And so and so we had to put guy wires to, to pull him up. So for those of you that wonder why that's there, that's, that's what it's there for, is for a, a, a puppet show. Anyway, I digress. The point that I'm trying to make is that God is in the ordinary. Listen, beloved, God was in that bag puppet of Jesus. Amen. He was in that bag puppet of Jesus. See, what the Bible consistently says to us is now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of visitation. Now is the time. The excuse that we use, I'm too young, I'm too old, I don't know enough. You know, again, I was talking to my mom this week, and, and you know what most of us, you know, the, after we get over fear, that's the number one reason why most of us don't share our faith, is fear, okay? The number two reason is we think we need more training. Do we don't know how to answer the questions. Do we don't know what to do. We don't know how to say it. Can I tell you what our brothers and sisters in the first century did? A lot of them couldn't even read. Okay? 
They had never been to an evangelism explosion training event. They were the evangelism explosion. Okay? They simply went to their friends and their neighbors. They went out into the very ordinary and they said, Jesus set me free and he will set you free too. That was their message. That was it. That was the whole message. He set me free. He set me free. Sweetheart, would you take this? It's my mom. Thank you. He set me free and he will set you free as well. And that's the message that we want to proclaim to a lost and dying world. The traditional reading uh, for this Sunday in Advent focuses in on part of Luke's Gospel and Matthew's Gospel that talk about the Annunciations to Mary and to Joseph. And we didn't read it this morning, but the the next section after this is Mary's song. It's called the Magnificat in, in Latin. It is a song that Mary wrote uh, after she had this, this encounter with the angel. Now, the organization of Mary's story in our text is similar to other scriptural accounts of special births, such as Ishmael's birth in Genesis 16, or Isaac's birth in Genesis 17, or Samson's birth in Judges. Everything okay? Uh, the focus in these passages is not necessarily on the person that's receiving the message, you can just keep it, but on the child that's going to be born, okay? It's not on the person. Listen, you know, we're going to see in a couple of minutes that the way that Matthew introduces Joseph, I love this. He introduces Joseph as the husband of Mary. Remember when your kids were in high school and you'd go to the store and one of your kids' friends would recognize you and they would say, hey, you're Adam's dad, aren't you? And you smile, yes, I am. I am Adam's dad. Or, you know, I go where, where Angie used to work and they'd say, hey, you're Angie's husband, aren't you? Yes, I am. I am Angie's husband. And if that's what you want to call me, that's fine. You don't have to call me Larry. You can just say, hey, Angie's husband. And I'll respond. Anyway, it's a call narrative. And what the the call narrative is, is doing is it's getting your attention to focus on this child that has been promised, this child that has been prophesied. And so it's the same thing. Listen, here's the problem with our Catholic friends. They put way too much emphasis on Mary. Way too much emphasis on Mary. The point of the gospel narratives and, and introducing Mary and Joseph, it, the story is not about Mary and Joseph. It's about Jesus. It always has been. It always will be. It's about Jesus. And that's what Luke is wanting to draw our attention to. He wants to draw our attention to the fact that He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Tell me how that focuses on Mary. It's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus being the fulfillment of the prophecy, not just of one prophet, but of all of the prophets. See, Mary isn't honored because her womb carried Jesus. 
Mary is honored with all of the other prophets because she believed God would accomplish what was promised and she wanted to be part of it. Amen? (laughs) Do you this morning believe that God will accomplish what He has promised? Somebody say amen. I believe it. Amen. I believe it. Then do you want to be a part of it? Obviously you do because you're here this morning or you're watching this You want to be a part of what God is doing and what God is going to do in our world. One commentator put it this way. At its heart, Mary's story is about what happens when a human being encounters the divine and decides of her own volition to lean into that encounter. You see, beloved, it's not about blood. It's about participation. In Luke chapter 8, verses 19 through 21, look what Jesus said. His mother and his brothers came to him. That's blood. And they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, this is participation. My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. You know, our, our tendency is to, to sit in church and rate the sermon by whatever scale we happen to use. It was maybe, I have been accused of being too bombastic. I know that shocks y'all. It was my grandmother's funeral. You know, the one that was married to a man who had pastored churches for over 61 years. I knew where my grandmother was, and I was excited about it. And I wanted to communicate that excitement to everybody that was there. Clearly, it didn't work with at least one. Anyway, we tend to rate the sermon by whatever scale we use. He was too loud. He was too soft. He used words that were too big when a diminutive one would have done. He had a longhorn sermon, a point here and a point there and a lot of hot air in between. Whatever scale we use, but you know why we do that? Because it's a way to shield us from hearing the Word of God and doing it. It does you no good to listen to the Word of God. Listen, you can find on there's radio stations all over East Tennessee that you can listen to the Word of God preached from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed. I'm not telling you not to do that. What I'm telling you to do is that if you're listening to the Word of God, amen, awesome. But then do it. Do the Word of God. Because Jesus says, when we do the Word of God, we are His brothers and His mother. Amen. Listen to me, beloved. Do you hear the honor that, ladies, do you hear the honor that He gave to y'all? He didn't say, my sisters and my brothers are these who hear the Word of God. He said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the Word of God. 
obviously, this morning we read from Luke, but I want you to real quickly turn to, to Matthew. Obviously, I don't have to announce the chapter, but I'll tell you anyway, it's in Matthew chapter 1. And here we have the account of, of Joseph. Matthew doesn't really tell us about the birth of Jesus. Luke does that. Why does Luke do that? Because Luke is Mary's gospel. Okay? Luke was speaking to Mary. Okay? He got the information that he gives to us directly from Mary. Matthew is telling us where Jesus came from. And it gives to us the birth narrative through the eyes of Joseph. We don't know a whole lot about him. You know, I don't have to summarize. We, obviously, we meet him here. We hear about him when he, when he knows that he needs to flee with Mary and jo, or Jesus to go to uh, uh, Egypt to get away from the insane Herod. The last time we hear about him is, is when Jesus was around 12 and they went to the temple and, and somehow or another Mary and Joseph left town without knowing where Jesus was. And when they go back into town, they find Jesus sitting in the temple teaching guys that are way older than he is. Probably even way older than Joseph was. And so you got to imagine, I mean, think of, think of the, the, the issues that Joseph went through. Okay, I mean, let's just summarize. Because in, in the account that we're looking at, if you if you get back to, to verse 18 in, in Matthew 1, Matthew tells us that when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Here's the conversation. Joseph, uh, I love you. Oh, I love you. I can't wait until we're married. Whew. I've been dreaming about it. I, 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 I've been dreaming about being your wife. Could, uh, could I talk to you for a minute? Well, sure. What you got? Uh, I don't really know how to tell you this, so I'm just going to say it. I'm pregnant. You're what? Who? I know it wasn't me. I know it wasn't me. Who's the daddy? Uh, funny thing. The Holy Spirit? See, we just think that, that, that Mary announced this to Joseph and he went, Cool. Let's go. I'm in. I'm on board. Let's do this thing. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her. Could I add a word right there? Further. In their culture, she's already disgraced. She is a single, young woman who's pregnant. And the man that she's engaged to is not the daddy. She is disgraced. Not wanting to disgrace her further, planned to send her away secretly. We know that he loved her because he didn't want to hurt her anymore. He wanted to send her away. And, you know, Joseph is just kind of, once the angel talks to him and gets him on board, Joseph now understands this whole thing. And like I said, we only see him two other times in Scripture, and then he disappears. 
It's like he's playing a, a supporting role. You know, sometimes we feel that way. I listen to a couple of, of large ministries on the radio. And you know almost every preacher boy. In the early days of their call, they've got these visions. I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. They're going to have to build six churches to hold all the people that have come to hear me preach. God is in the ordinary, beloved. God's not always in the big. Not always in the spectacular. Not always in the flashy. God is in the Josephs of this world. That are there. That are supporting. That are doing what God called them to do. One scholar says that Mary and Joseph were from the ranks of the humble and pious multitudes. The kind of people that maintained the law the best they could, but didn't have the means to carry it out to the letter of the law in all its intricacy. Let me finish up right here. Most of the people that you know, most of the people that you meet are not atheists. Most of them are agnostic, and they don't even know it, okay? They're agnostic, and they don't even know it. And their notion, because I've had them say it to me, when I asked them where they were going to to spend eternity, they said, I try to live a good life and keep the Ten Commandments the best that I can. And I hope that God will let me into heaven. Can I tell you a secret, beloved? That's Phariseeism. That's Phariseeism. That's I'm trying to keep the law. I'm trying to do something impossible, hoping that God will like me enough to let me into heaven. Can I give you the good news this morning? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That has nothing to do with keeping the Ten Commandments. That has nothing to do with trying to live the best that you can and hoping that it all works out in the end. It has everything to do, listen to me, with God with us. Everything to do with God, with us. See, the whole point, and and what the angels say both to Mary and to Joseph is that He will save His people from their sins. His people. His people. Right here in East Tennessee, you meet somebody you don't know. What's one of the first questions you're going to ask them? Who's your mama? Who's your daddy? Number one, you want to make sure you're not talking mean about their cousins and you don't know it, right? Okay. But number two, you want, to, you want to know who their people are. Because you might be their people too. Listen to me. God says to us, you're my people. You're my people. I want to save you from your sins. See, the description of the work of Jesus reminds us that Jesus meets us in our sins. And His purpose is to save us from them. The incarnation, God with us, shows us that we can come to Him. If He has come to us, 
then we can come to Him. Spurgeon put it this way, Whoever you may be, you need no priest or intercessor to introduce you to God, for God has introduced Himself to you. Listen to me, beloved. Romans, in Romans 16, verses 25 through 27. Josh and Joy just went, whew. He just skipped like a whole page to bring this thing in for a landing. Look at what Paul says. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested. Do you understand what Paul just said? God is with us. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. Do we live in the mystery of God's goodness with us personally? This Christmas, I invite you to discover God in the everyday ebb and flow of your life, in the ones you love as well as the ones who drive you up the wall. Oh, beloved, God is with us. He wants to be with you, not just in the big moments, not just in the hard moments, not just in the hurtful moments. He wants to be with you in the everyday living out of your life. God is with us. Are we with Him?